Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Through the grace of God, we will study tonight chapter 2 from the letter of Saint Paul to his disciple Titus. After Saint Paul went to Crete with Titus, he left him there as a bishop for this island. And in chapter 1, he reminded him with his responsibility as a bishop to ordain priests to or make an order the church affairs and he warned him from the false teachers. He warned him to beware from the false teachers. Then in chapter 2, which will be the chapter that we will study tonight, St. Paul spoke to Titus about general instruction regarding the elder, the older men and the older women, regarding the young men and the young women, and also regarding the servants. And he concluded the chapter by speaking about the grace of God. St. Paul started by saying, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. As for you, St. Paul here is differentiating between Titus as a true and good teacher and the other false teachers that he spoke about them in the first chapter. So he told him, as for you, you are a teacher of sound doctrine. You are a teacher of the truth of God. So as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. And when you see St. Paul told him about certain conduct, how older men should behave, how older women should behave. And here we can come to conclusion that sound doctrine and sound theology actually demand and, and leads to a good behavior. So many people say, does it make a difference to believe in this or in that? These are just doctrines. What it really matters, my behavior, my conduct. But no, sound doctrine and good theology helps and leads to a good behavior. That's why St. Paul told him, as for you, speak the things, the things about behavior which are proper for sound doctrine. Things about behavior and conduct 
which are proper for sound doctrine. Then he spoke about the older men. Verse 2. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, and love in patience. So he mentioned six points about older men. Number one, they have to be sober. Sober can be understood as sober-minded and also refraining from alcohol, refraining from wine. Because the people in Crete at that time were known of their uh, drinking habits. So he told them, you older men, the wise counsels of the people should be a role model and example. So you need to be sober-minded in order to give a wise counsel. And also you need to abstain completely from drinking because drinking may affect your judgment, impair your judgment, and you cannot give a wise counsel as an old man. Reverend. Reverend means their behavior should match their age. They shouldn't be entangled with activities or with behavior that make the other look down on them or do not respect them. You need to behave in a way that make everybody respect you, admire you, looking for an advice and a wise counsel from you as an old man setting a good example before the youth and the young men. Temperate. Temperate means they can control themselves. They exercise good self-control. They are not controlled by their desires or by the lusts of the flesh. They can control themselves, they can control their temper, they can control their anger, they can control their emotions. Temperate. Sound in faith and love in patience. At this old age, you should know your faith, you should know your doctrine, and you should be able to distinguish between the false and the true. And you should be confirmed in your faith, sound in faith. And then love. Again, in this old age, your heart should be big enough to love everybody and to contain everybody in your heart. By this age, you should get rid of all the grudges, of all the conflicts, and your heart will be big to contain everybody. And in patience, 
usually people with old age, they uh, become impatient and they become short-tempered. But we as Christians received the grace of God. We should train ourselves to be patient and to be to endure, to persevere, to uh, have long suffering in our hearts. So these are the six points that St. Paul mentioned to Titus about older men. To be sober, to be reverent, to be temperate, to be sound in faith, in love, and in patience. And love also includes the charitable deeds. Because love is not just emotion, but love is action. So love also should be demonstrated in their charitable deeds. Then, in verse 3, he spoke about older women. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teacher of good things, that they admonish the young women. So he spoke about five qualities for older women. Two of them he mentioned also for men to be reverent and not given to much wine. Because I told you, sober can be interpreted as sober-minded and also not be given too much wine. So he said the older women should be reverent in behavior. Their behavior should be respectable and befits their age. And then he added three other characteristics or qualities, not slanderers, teacher of good things, that they admonish the young women. We expect the older woman to be a teacher, a teacher to young girls, a teacher to the female youth, a teacher to young wives, to give them from her experience and from her wisdom, and to teach by her example more than by her words. And also, they have a responsibility to admonish young women, which means your responsibility as a mother does not end when your daughter gets married. But after your daughter gets married, you have a responsibility to teach her how to be a good wife and how to be a good mother. As St. Paul said, they admonish young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be homemakers, etc. So your responsibility does not end by marrying your daughter. But after your daughter gets married, you have a responsibility as a wise uh, woman to teach your daughter how to be a good wife 
and a good husband uh, and a good mother. Also, St. Paul highlighted uh, a very important point, not slanderers. Unfortunately, this sin is very common among women, especially older women. When they meet, they start just to slander and to gossip. That's why St. Paul said, no, you as Christian, your behavior should be uh, different. When you speak, you should not gossip or slander others. But when you speak, you should be a teacher of good things. So for mothers, reverent in behavior, not slanderers, teachers of good things, not given to much wine and admonishing young women. Then he spoke about the young women in verse uh, four, he said, they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And here St. Paul mentioned seven points about young women. To love their husbands. It's very important for the women to respect and to love her husband. And love is demonstrated in, in some actions. It's not just emotions. But love here should be demonstrated in actions. What are the actions that the woman proves to her husband that she loves him? Number one, to be a good mother. That's why he said to, be, to love her children. A father will be pleased with his wife when he sees his wife is taking good care of their children. To be discreet. Discreet means to be temperate, to be mindful, to make wise decisions, wise choices, to also have self-control, to be controlled by the Spirit of God, not be controlled by the desires and the lusts of the flesh and the world. Also, another thing, to be a homemaker. Homemaker, when the wife and the mother is wise, actually she can keep the home intact. She is able to uh, help everybody, every member in the family to be together and to show and to demonstrate Christian love to one another. That's why even the book of Proverbs says, the wise woman builds her house. So actually, it is mainly based on the wisdom of the woman. When the woman is wise, discreet, she will be able to be a homemaker.
to make her family members feel that their house is a home, a place of rest. Everybody is happy, satisfied in this house. And another point, obedient to their own husbands. This is actually the regulation of God. For the husband to love his wife and the wife to respect and to obey her husband. Yes, Christianity teaches the equality in honor between the wife and the husband. But Christianity also teaches the difference in responsibility and function between the wife and the husband. Yes, they are equal in honor, but they are different in function. And the function of the man is to love and to provide, and for the woman to obey and to make home out of her house. And St. Paul said here that the word of God may not be blasphemed. If you go to church and if you pray and you fast, but you are disobedient to your husband and you make a lot of conflict and fight with him, what would he say? He say, is this the behavior of a spiritual uh, wife? How the church helped you? Tell me, you are praying and reading the Bible and attending every activity in the church, but your behavior doesn't say so. So, with our disobedience, the word of God may be blasphemed, but when we show our obedience to our husband, which is obedience to God himself, who gave us this commandment, then the word of God will be uh, adorned and will be glorified in our behavior. So, how the wife loves her husband? By taking good care of her children, by being discreet, by being a homemaker, by being obedient to their own husbands. And St. Paul mentioned two other things, to be good, and also to be chaste. To be good and chaste, good means full of good works. Do you know Dorcas in the book of Acts, uh, uh, the lady that was full of good works, and when she died and they called for St. Peter to raise her, her from the death, all the widows came to St. Peter and showed him all the charitable works and all the good works that she was doing. So, uh, a good wife, as we read in Proverbs chapter 31, will be also full of good and charitable deeds and works. And to be chaste, to be pure, uh, to be without blemish, as a bride of uh, the true bridegroom, as a bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, she should keep her chastity and her purity. So these are seven points for young women. Love their husbands, love their children, uh, to be discreet, to be chaste, 
homemaker, good, and also obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Then in verse 6, St. Paul spoke about young men. He said, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. Exhort the young men to be sober-minded. To make wise decisions. Usually, the young men make quick and hasty decisions. And they don't listen to others. They don't listen to elders. And they trust their own wisdom. That's why they make many, many good, wrong decisions. That's why St. Paul said, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. When they make a decision or a choice, they have to, be, to make it based on the leadership and direction of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God, not on their desires or in their uh, needs, but what God wants me to do. Then St. Paul, in instructing Titus, because Titus was also a young man, so he told him, you as a young man, be a pattern, be an example for the young men. Let them learn from your example. Let them learn from your pattern. That's why he said in verse 7, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. So when you, Titus, a young man, and you, show, you present yourself and demonstrate how you are uh, doing and abounding in every good work, the young men also will learn from you how to be full of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity. In doctrine, showing integrity. Many of us, there is discrepancy between what we believe and how we behave. There is difference, there is inconsistency between uh, our belief system and also our behavior. When there is inconsistency, we call this lack of integrity. We don't have integrity. That's why St. Paul said to Titus, in doctrine, showing integrity. Make your behavior matches your belief. You cannot believe something and then do something else. This, is, this inconsistency is lack of integrity. So as if St. Paul, uh, Paul saying to Titus, present yourself as a role model to young men, how to be sober-minded, how to be full of good works, and number three, to show integrity, to show consistency between the belief system and between their behavior. Be a pattern of good works, of good works in doctrine showing integrity, reference incorruptibility. Reference incorruptibility. Another two elements that Titus, as a young bishop, has to demonstrate and be a role model, reverence. As I told you, reverence means how to be respectable in your behavior, how to make people respect you, not 
to be engaged in childish behavior or childish activity or dissipation of this world and incorruptibility. As the children of God, we should avoid any form of corruption. We should be honest. We should be sincere. We should show integrity in our life. We should show faithfulness. Especially young men, these qualities are very, very important for them. Especially those who are in the work field. To stay away from corruption and to present yourself as a light to the world and salt to the earth. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. Another thing, when we speak, our speech should be sound that others will not condemn what we are saying. When we utter the word of God, when we teach the doctrine, when we give advice or a counsel, we have to speak what is sound, what's true, what is edifying, what is helpful to others. So nobody can condemn what we are saying, but actually what we are saying will bring a glory to God. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you. Usually people in authority, uh, the other people, many people actually lying in wait for them to catch them if they did something wrong. So. The, there are opponents usually to people on authority. So when we demonstrate integrity, when we speak uh, rightfully, when we show faithfulness and honesty, those who are opponent to us, those who are opponent to the church of God, will find nothing to say against us, will find nothing to accuse us with, so they will be ashamed. Even if they try to make false accusation, they will be ashamed. And, and in this teaching also, there is a lesson to all the clergy, all those who are in authority, all Sunday school servants, how to, to show themselves a pattern, a role model, a good example to others. So regarding young men, St. Paul said, young men should be sober-minded. Also, St. Titus should be a pattern to them in good works, in doctrine to show integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that will not be condemned. That is, so those who are opponent to the church or opponent to the leaders of the ch church will be ashamed because they will have nothing evil to speak about us. They will have nothing, nothing evil to say of us. So St. Paul here spoke about older, women, older men, older women, young men, young women, and he spoke also about how the bishop or the clergy should demonstrate themselves as a pattern and a good example for others. 
Finally, he spoke about uh, the slaves or the bond servants. And here again, I want to emphasize, as I emphasized it before, Christianity does not support slavery. Christianity does not support slavery. But Christianity says, if you are in a country in which there is slavery and you are a slave, then you should demonstrate Christian behavior. So although Christianity does not support slavery, but if there is a country in which there is a slavery and I am a slave, I should demonstrate a good behavior. That's why he said, exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters. So this obedience is not out of fear, not because they are slaves, but because they are children of God. They are free in God. That's why they choose to obey their masters. This is the difference between the obedience of the Christian slave and the non-Christian slave. The Christian slave knows and understands that he is free in Christ. And because of his freedom, he will make a choice and a decision to obey his servants, not out of fear, but out of love. It is a choice that he makes. Exhort one servant to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things. And in order to prove that this obedience is out of their free will, not out of fear, they will please their masters in everything, in all things, definitely not against the will of God. But in everything, as long as it does not contradict with the will of God, they will be well-pleasing to their masters. And then he said, not answering back. Not answering back. And here, the, the, the Christianity teaches us good ethics. Ethics means we need to respect authority. We need to respect authority. Unfortunately, this point starts to disappear in our generation and in our culture. We see children answer back their parents. We see students answer back their uh, teachers. We see youth answer back their servants in the church. We see congregation answer back their uh, uh, clergy and their priests. Even if we disagree or if we want to express our op opinion, we should say it in a respectful way. While we honoring those who are in authority, as St. Paul said in his uh, uh, letter to Romans, pay, pay respect to those uh, who are due respect for them. The church and the Christianity teaches us good ethics, how to honor and how to respect. That's why St. Paul said to Titus, exhort the bond servant not to answer back their, uh, their uh, masters.
not blithering. Many times the master entrusts his servant with his money, with his positions. And as a good Christian, they should be honest and faithful. Do you know the story of Joseph the righteous? How Potiphar actually entrusted him with everything because he found him uh, uh, honest and faithful. But if we compare this behavior with the behavior of Anthemus, the bond servant of Philemon, before his conversion and before he converted to Christianity, how uh, Anthemus stole some money from his master Philemon. That's why St. Paul said to, to Titus, exhort the bond servant to be honest, not pilfering, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, showing all good fidelity. Again, not out of fear, but because they are Christian and they should abound in every good uh, work. They are faithful, they are honest. And when they do this, actually they will make their master glorify God. As if they are adorning the word of God, the commandment of God. That's why he said that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. So St. Paul actually is saying this chapter. When we break the commandment of God, or when we show the wrong behavior, we are making people blaspheme against God. As he said in verse 5, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. But when we show the good behavior, the Christian behavior, as if we are adorning the word of God, we are bringing glory to God and to the doctrine of God. So St. Paul, in this first part, he spoke about the Christian behavior of older men, older women, young women, young men, and the one servant. Maybe somebody will say, but it is difficult to keep all these commandments. We are human be being. We are, we are weak. And we are sure that we will fall short of keeping all these commandments. That's why St. Paul spoke and said, now in the New Testament, you are not required to keep all these commandments by your own power. Because if you are going to keep these commandments by your own power, all of us, we will fail. That's why nobody was able to keep the law in the Old Testament. Because the grace of God was not there. If you want to say one word that differentiates the Old Testament and the New Testament before Christ and after Christ, this word is grace. Grace. In the Old Testament, the grace of God was not there. There was enmity between us and God. But in the New Testament, we received the grace of God. That's why these commandments are possible by the grace of God. We are not doing them by our own ability, but through the grace of God. That's why St. John said, the law was given by Moses, 
but the grace and truth by the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if I ask you, say you one word to differentiate our condition before and after Christ, this one word will be grace, the grace of God. That's why St. Paul, he said, yes, you can keep all these commandments, not by your own power, but why? For the grace of God, verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. With the incarnation of the Son of God, with the appearance of the Son of God in the flesh, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. Appeared to all men. It is available to every person. Every person who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and accept the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ will enjoy the grace of God and will be able to keep all these commandments. The grace of God teaching us three things. The grace of God is power. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that transform our life, change our life. When I tell you do this and do that, I'm just giving you a do and don't. But when the grace of God teaches us, it does not just give us a lecture, but gives us the power that transforms us, gives us the ability to do and to not do. That's a big difference between just I'm giving you a lecture and between the grace of God teaching the grace of God teaching and empower you, not just give you a lecture. And St. Paul said the grace of God teaches us not to do certain things and to do certain things, that's number two, and number three, to await for something. What are these three things? Number one, verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So as Christian, if you allow the grace of God to dwell in you and to work you and to empower you, and if you submit to the grace of God, then you will deny ungodliness and worldly uh, lusts. You will deny ungodliness. You cannot live ungodly life while God is in you, because there is no fellowship between darkness and light. That's why if you allow the grace of God to dwell in you, you will be transformed, and you will deny all ungodliness and worldly lusts. That is a negative. You need to avoid, you need to deny ungodliness and the lusts of the world. Positive, what we should do? To live soberly. To live soberly. Soberly means wisely. Making wise decisions and wise choices as a children of God. Righteously. Righteously to do what's right and to abstain from what's wrong. But it takes a sober mind to distinguish between right and wrong, as St. Paul said in Hebrews chapter 5. 
So when you have a super mind, you will know what's right and what's wrong. And then when you choose what's right, then you are living soberly and rightly, and righteously, and godly. Godly as owned by God, belonging to God, because our citizenship is in heaven. So we have to, to live as godly, as ambassadors from heaven living here, living here on earth in this present age. So as Christian, submitting to the grace of God, we will deny ungodliness and the worldly uh, lusts. Then we will live soberly, righteously, and uh, godly in the present age. Looking, what will motivate us? There has to be something we are looking for. Like what motivates the student to study? The hope of success and graduating. So what the hope, what we will be looking for or awaiting for to keep us motivated? Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for the second coming of Christ. Looking for this hope that he will come again on the clouds to take us with him and to live eternally with him in the kingdom of heaven. This hope, this blessed hope, will keep us motivated all the time. That's why we recite in the conclusion of the creed, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. That's our hope. That's the blessed hope. We are looking for the second coming and the appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he said here uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, because he saved us from the ungodliness and from the worldly lusts. And he called him great because he will enable us to live soberly, righteously, and godly. And he called him God as a proof of the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and this is one of the verses that we use it to defend the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ because he said the appearing, appearing of the second person, Jesus Christ, and how he described him, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. Now he is elaborating more about the grace of God. The grace of God was given to us because the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. That is the power to redeem us. If we are his people, then we will deny every lawless deed. Lawless means against the law, not ethical. But now we can do this. We can live uh, godly because we are empowered with the grace of God. So the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross. He gave himself in order to give us his grace to redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. God purified us by his blood to make us bride, suitable for him, fitting for him. He washed us and cleansed us by his blood. 
and we receive this grace in baptism and in communion in the sacraments of the church when we are baptized we are washed and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in communion washes us from every sin for himself to purify us for himself because we are his own we are his bride his own special people zealous for good work so when we receive the grace of God the Holy Spirit will kindle our heart with this fiery zeal and we will be zealous for good works motivated we want to do good works all the time then he concluded this chapter by instructing uh, Titus telling him speak these things exhort and rebuke with all authority as the bishop as the leader of, of your people that's your responsibility to speak to exhort and to rebuke with all authority let no one despise you because of your young age let no one despise you but speak with authority it's not the authority of who you are but the authority of whom you represent it's not the authority of who you are but the authority of whom you represent because you are representing God بسرعه كده ندي ملخص للشابتر للاصحاح ده بالعربي الاصحاح الثاني من رساله معلمنا بولس الرسول لتلميذه تيتوس تيتوس ده كان اسقف كريت فهو في الاصحاح الاولاني كلمه على المعلمين الكذبه ولكن بيقول له بقى انت يا تيتوس مفروض تبقى على خلاف المعلمين الكذبه فبيقول له اما انت فتكلم بما يليق بالتعليم الصحيح تكلم بالسلوكيات التي تليق بالتعليم الصحيح ويبين هنا ان دايما التعليم الصحيح والعقيده السليمه تيجي معاها سلوكيات سليمه لكن العقيده الفاسده تيجي معاها سلوكيات خاطئه مش كده قال له تكلم بما يليق بالسلوكيات التي تليق بالتعليم الصحيح وبعدين نتكلم على وصايا للشيوخ الرجال كبار السن للعجائز الامهات كبار السن للشباب الرجال الصغيرين وللبنات الصغيرين وللناس اللي هم عبيد قال ان يكون الاشياخ الشيوخ يعني صاحين صاحين معناها ان هم مش مضمنين للخمر ومعناها ان هم عندهم حكمه ذوي وقار ليهم الاحترام بتاعهم ما عملوش تصرفات تخلي الصغيرين كده يفقدوا احترامهم ليهم متعقلين متعقلين يعني ضبطين نفسهم وضبطين رغباتهم وضبطين شهواتهم اصحاء في الايمان مع السن الكبير ده المفروض يكون عندهم العقيده السليمه والايمان السليمه والمحبه اصحاء في المحبه يكونوا ارتفعوا عن الصغائر والضغائن والحقد ولكن قلبهم اتسع بالحب لكل واحد والصبر دايما الواحد لما بيكبر بيبقى الصبر بتاعه نفس لكن المفروض يدربوا نفسهم ازاي يبقى عندهم طول اناه وصبر وقدره على الاحتمال كذلك العجائز السيدات كبار السن المفروض يكونوا في سيره طليق بالقداسه يعني المفروض يعيشوا حياه مقدسه حياه مقدسه 
زي مثلا لما نقرا في انجيل لوقا على حنا النبيه اللي هي قعدت ملازمه الهيكل 84 سنه في في حياه مليانه بالقداسه غير السالبات السالبات يعني ما بيتكلموش على الاخرين مش بيجيبوا في سيره الناس غير مستعبدات للخمر الكثير لان كان معروف في جزيره كريت ان هو بيشربوا خمر كتير فقال هذا لا يليق بولاد ربنا وبعدين قال بدل ما تتكلموا وتنموا وتجيبوا في سيره الناس المفروض تعلموا الصلاح معلمات الصلاح وتعلموا مين؟ تعلموا الزوجات الصغيرين وبالطريقه دي يبقى دور الام ما بينتهيش لما بنتها بتتجوز لكن المفروض بعد ما بنتها تتجوز بتعلمها ازاي تكون زوجه جيده وام صالحه مش بتقومها ضد جوزها لا ده بتعلمها انها تحب جوزها وتخضع له عشان كده يقول لكي ينصحنا الحدثات ان يكن محبات لرجالهن فتيجي الام تعلم بنتها انها تحب جوزها وتطيعه وتسمع كلامه تتخنقش معاه ويحببن اولادهن وازاي ان هم يخلوا بالهم من ولادهم ما بقوش عمالين بيخرجوا يتنقلوا من هنا لهنا وسايبين البيت وسايبين ولادهم لا يقدروا يربوا ولادهم تربيه سليمه متعقلات ازاي تعمل قرارات واختيارات عاقله عفيفات يعيشوا في طهاره وفي عفه ملازمات بيوتهن مش ما يقعدوش بقى سايبين البيت ومتنقلين من بيت لبيت ويخلوا البيت جو مريح كده لكل افراد الاسره للزوج للاولاد لكل حد صالحات يعني يصنعنا الخير زي غزاله اللي قومها بطرس من الاموات خاضعات لرجالهن ودي الام الحكيمه توصي بنتها انها تخضع لجوزها مش تقومها عليه تقول له لا اوعى تعملي تقولي له حاضر حاضر لحسن يستغلك لا الام الحكيمه تعلم بنتها انها تخضع لجوزها يقول لكي لا يجدف على كلمه الله انا الرئيس يقول لها بتروح الكنيسه وبتصلوا وبتقروا في الانجيل انجيل ايه ده اللي انتوا علمكم ايه لو انتوا ما بتسمعوش الكلام وبتتخانقوا ولا اخره فبقيت السلوك بتاعنا ممكن يخلي الاخرين يجدفوا على كلمه الله كذلك عز الاحداث الشباب الصغير ان يكونوا متعقلين دائما الشباب مشهور عنه التهور وعدم الرزانه وعدم الحكمه فقال له انصحهم يكونوا متعقلين ياخدوا قرارات كده بحكمه وانصحهم انت يا تيتوس شاب صغير برضه فانصحهم بالمثال بتاعك خليهم يبصوا لك ويتعلموا منك مقدما نفسك في كل شيء قدوه للاعمال الحسنه لما يشوفوه الاسقف بتاعهم او الكاهن بتاعهم او الخادم بتاعهم بيعمل اعمال حسنه هيتعلموا منه وهيتبعوا الاكزامبل بتاعه المثال بتاعه ومقدما في التعليم مقاوه يعني مقدما في التعليم مقاوه تعليم بعيد عن التشويش تعليم سليم وايضا خلي سلوكك يمشي مع التعليم ما تبقاش بتعلم شيء وسلوكك بيقول حاجه ثانيه ووقارا واخلاصا خلي في تعليمك يكون في وقار ازاي برضو ان احنا ما, ما, ما نمشيش في الخلاعه بتاعت اولاد العالم 
ولكن نكون مخلصين لله وكلاما صحيحا غير ملوم والنصيحة اللي تقولها تكون صحيحة عشان حدش يقدر يلومك عليها تكلم بكلمة الله واحكم بأحكام الله لكي يخزى المضاد اللي بيقوموك وعايزين يبقوا ضدك يخزوا ليه؟ إذ ليس له شيء رديء يقوله عنكم ما لقيش حاجة وحشة عليكم بتنفذوا كلمة ربنا وعايشين فيقدر يمسكوا عليكم إيه؟ زي لما أقول لك المثل امشي صح يحتر عدوك فيك ده بيقول كده لكي يخزى المضاد إذ ليس له شيء رديء يقوله عنكم والعبيد المسيحية ما بتشجعش العبودية ولكن المسيحية بتقول لو وجد مكان فيه عبودية العبيد مفروض كأحرار حررهم المسيح مفروض يلتزموا بسلوك مسيحي من محبتهم لربنا مش خوف بسبب عبوديتهم فالعبيد يخضعوا لسادتهم يطيعوهم بسبب الحرية اللي ربنا ادهالهم فيختاروا ان هم يخضعوا لسادتهم في حرية مجد أولاد الله ويردوهم في كل شيء غير مناقضين يسمعوا كلامهم وما يردوش باك عليهم لكن يردوهم في كل شيء طالما لا تتعارض مع إرادة ربنا غير مختلسين كتير السيد يأتمن عبيده على فلوسه وعلى ممتلكاته فمفروض يكونوا عبيد عندهم نزاهة زي ما يوسف في بيت فوتيفار فوتيفار اتمنوا على كل شيء لأنه كان إنسان نزيه غير أنسيموس اللي سرق في ليمون قبل طبته وبعد كده طبعا انسي مستاب زي ما انتم عارفين من رساله في ليمون غير مختلسين بل مقدمين كل امانه صالحه ولاد ربنا امنا ولازم تبين سلوكك الامين في عملك في دراستك في اي مكان تذهب اليه يقول لك لكي يزينوا تعليم مخلصنا الله في كل شيء يعني لو احنا كسرنا وسيط ربنا يبقى احنا بنخلي الناس تجدف على وسيط ربنا ولما نمشي حسب وسيط ربنا اكننا احنا بنزين وسيط ربنا يبقى انا بتعطي او بعدم تعطي ربنا اما بزين وسيط ربنا او بخلي الناس تجدف على وسيط ربنا هتقول لي بس ازاي احفظ كل الوصايا دي الوصايا دي صعب ان انا احفظها اقول لك اه صعب لو احنا في العهد القديم لكن احنا في العهد الجديد عهد النعمة الفرق بين العهد القديم والعهد الجديد هو النعمة الناموس بموسى اعطي اما النعمة والحق فبيسوع المسيح صار يعني ايه النعمة يعني النعمة دي قوة بتساعدني على اني احقق وسيط ربنا فانت بالعذر لان احنا كلنا اخذنا نعمة ربنا لانه قد ظهرت نعمة الله المخلصة لجميع الناس ظهرت نعمة ربنا لكل الناس ولكن مين اللي يستفيد بيها اللي آمن بالخلاص اللي قبل يسوع المسيح واللي آمن بالخلاص بتاع ربنا يسوع المسيح هو ده اللي هيستفيد من النعمة النعمة دي بتعلمني ان انا ابعد عن الخطية معلمة ايانا ان ننكر الفجور والشهوات العالمية نبعد عن الخطية نبعد عن السلوك العالمي تعلمني مش بس تعليم عقلي ولكن بتديني القوة وبتغير قلبي علشان فعلا ابعد عن الفجور والشهوات العالميه ونعيش بالتعقل والبر والتقوى في العالم الحاضر فنبعد عن السلبيات ونعيش بالتعقل التعقل يبقى الانسان عنده فكر المسيح 
يرى الأمور بطريقة سليمة ويحكم عليها بطريقة سليمة فلما يتعقل ويأخذ قرارات سليمة هيعيش حياة مليانة بالبر ومليانة بالتقوى اللي هي مخافة الله البر اللي هو أنك تعمل العمل الصالح والتقوى أن يبقى مخافة ربنا موجودة جوه قلبك في العالم الحاضر طيب وإيه اللي هيشجعني أن أنا أعمل كل الكلام ده رجاء مجيء المسيح الثاني أنه هياخدنا على السحاب ونبقى معاه إلى الأبد في ملكوت السماوات منتظرين الرجاء المبارك وظهور مجد الله العظيم ومخلصنا يسوع المسيح فإحنا منتظرين المجيء الثاني ده الرجاء المبارك اللي إحنا كلنا بنرجوه يأتي ويأخدنا معاه على السحاب وظهور مجد الله وظهور ربنا يسوع المسيح الممجد يظهر في مجده العظيم ودي من الآيات اللي بنستخدمها علشان ندافع عن هدى السيد المسيح لأن هي بيقول ظهور مجد الله العظيم ومخلصنا يسوع المسيح فبيسوع المسيح هو الله إزاي ربنا ادانا النعمة دي لأنه سفك دمه على الصليب الذي بزلا نفسه لأجلنا لكي يفتينا من كل إثم ويطهر لنفسه شعبا خاصا غيورا في أعمال حسنة يبقى إذا بموت السيد المسيح على الصليب ادانا القوة ان احنا نتحرر من سلطان الخطية ان حرركم الابن فبالحقيقة تكونون احرارا وايضا طهرنا بدمه طهرنا بدمه لان من جنبه خرج دمه وماء طهرنا بدمه كعروس لي كشعب خاص لي عروس للمسيح مليان بالعمل الحسنة بناخد النعمة دي من خلال اسرار الكنيسة اشكال نسميها وسائط النعمة خلال المعمودية الميرون الاعتراف التناول وكل اسرار الكنيسة وبيختم الاصحاح كأسقف بيقول له تكلم بهذه عز ووبخ بكل سلطان هنا السلطان بتاعك مش سلطانك انت مين يا تيتوس لكن سلطان انت بتمثل مين انت, انت وكيل الله على هنا فتكلم بسلطان الله عز وبخ وتكلم بهذه لا يستهن احد لما تحفظ وسيط ربنا اكشلي انت هتخلي كل الناس يحترموك بالرغم من سنك الصغير لكن هتخلي الناس يحترموك ويقدروك ويسمعوا كلامك لا يستهن احد بك عن طريق سلوكياتك وعن طريق انك بتعلم الصلاح لالهنا المجد الدائم الى الامين